Content warning for alcohol, sexual content, sex crimes, marijuana, and gang crime. And we're back to the West Coast hip hop episode of the Billy Cheers Club. Uh, speaking of self-destruction, uh, always a great uh, thing to segue on. Uh, uh, someone who I think successfully in a lot of his songs, but especially the song we're going to talk about, uh, talks about the self-destructiveness of like the certain like gangster lifestyle is Ice T, especially in his song High Rollers. Mm. Uh, this is one of my favorites of his. Uh, this one in colors. This one is a lot more upbeat, though. Uh, Ice-T, so he came onto the scene in, like, the early 80s, like, especially popular in 86 with Six in the Morning. Uh, Very fun song, would recommend. Um, He's, like, one of the big, like, grandfathers of gangster rap. Got, like, super popular with the song Cop Killer back in 93, I think. But, like, he's gotten... A lot of people like to claim that he glorifies the life a lot, but I think those people don't listen to the songs all the way that he makes um because uh he does a very good job of talking about like the wealth and luxury that a successful quote-unquote gangster life brings but at the same time like doing so without glorifying it and talking about how much that will shorten your life um like uh, in his own life, it's very interesting because he did have like a personal criminal history. He grew up uh, in like uh, even like, a rougher part of New Jersey, uh, so he wasn't born in the West Coast. He moved there later on after he got honorably discharged from the military. But like he said that like one of the most uh, formative events in his life, like when he was like a little kid, uh, he got his bike stolen that his dad gave him for a gift, and his dad just said like, "Well, I guess you got no bike now," uh, and hmm. uh, just kind of dealing with the unfairness of life. Uh, and so like all of the lyrics, like basically most of the song, he's just kind of describing these people who have successfully made it uh, as gangsters until like the end. And he's like, look, they might kick me off the like radio for saying this stuff. But like, I will also say like uh, fast money leads to a fast life. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's your choice whether you want to like, try for this but there's very few people who get to live this successfully and then after that live very long and there's two versions of this song and so like in the one that i think was on spotify uh it intercuts with him like after each verse basically decrying the life that he was talking about it's like yeah no like they they might be wearing like gucci clothes or whatever but you're gonna die if you do this uh but the other version of the song he's talking to someone who we might be able to assume is like a fan of his and um, like they kind of have this like high excited voice uh yeah. and, like they seem to be like really interested in the life but like compared to his tone and then the last verse it's very much like this character is supposed to be naive and so hmm. either version it's very much like a decrail of like people who glorify the gangster lifestyle so i'm, I'm curious what you guys thought of it Yeah, I definitely uh, really like this one for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. Just the good, you know, like you say, the good balance of like, like since we've been talking about how like this environment of like poverty and crime, you know, you see you haven't had much of life and you see someone going around with flashy jewelry in a car, you're going to be like, hey, I want that. What do I have to do? They're like, oh, you have to kill some people. Sign me up. 
So like that sort of cycle. Also, it does very much date the song because one of the things that he mentioned is a mobile phone, which you don't really have to get a life of crime for anymore. But anyway, it is a kind of an old school song overall because like the like you had said, the beat is very upbeat and old school. The chorus is just him saying the title, three couple bars on the and like a yeah. But I just really like it because like. Yeah, like you mentioned, some of the lines just make them almost like sort of uh, like a Twilight Zone character, like Rod Serling showing up and being like, you know, gang violence will destroy you. Like uh, the one part where he's like, this is Ice-T and I have no reason to lie to you about why gang, gang lifestyle is bad. And the part where he's like, you're much smarter than the crooks on Miami Vice. Right. <laughs> Those parts are really good. I mean, for like, sure, it does really... feel like Oh, go ahead. I know it probably shouldn't be too humorous, but I don't know. Those 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 moments kind of tickle me a little. Like it's just it's so very on the nose the attitude of this song. You know, it's like this admonishment of like this I guess gangster street hustling lifestyle that was I guess being glamorized around the time. It was like the late '80s. Um, I guess around when N.W.A. and Public Enemy were starting to have their debut. But um, yeah, it's just. I don't know. It, it it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of nuance here, and I don't. But I don't think that's necessarily needed. Yeah, I yeah. would agree. I think it's very on the nose, and that yeah, the nuance isn't a heavy part of this narrative. And I agree. I think that's part of the point he's making. Is just he's trying to be, I think, as clear as possible. You know, for whoever has an ear to listen to the message, it kind of has the feel to me of like. Not an old head, uh, no, no, but like an OG sort of trying to uh, give some knowledge uh, to the youth, so to speak. Which, okay. considering he was probably well aware that a significant uh, portion of his fan base was on the younger side, it's kind of... It's like, I don't know if IST ever sold drugs, um, but it'd be like if, you know, the Neighborhood Hustler uh, held a conference about, like, financial literacy or something, you know, to that effect. Uh, he did, uh, not while he was putting out music, though. Uh, that was part of his earlier life. Although, in general, mm -hmm. like, like the like being very on the nose, like a lot of Ice T's tracks are like kind of very direct and like tongue in cheek, and like he has some like humorous tracks too. Uh, like, uh, if you've ever listened to "The Girl Tried to Kill Me," like that's basically just a bit as a song. Um, <laughs> but like, I I think that is something that like. And the fact that he still gets misinterpreted, though, though, it just kind of speaks to, like, kind of why you want to be to, a, like, some... I am a believer in nuance, but at the same time, why, like, at the same time, I can appreciate how direct he is. It's, like, the fact that this song, like, which and he explicitly says, like, you're gonna die if you do this, uh, still gets criticized for being glorifying uh, of the gangster lifestyle, then... I, I can understand it and appreciate it. It's almost like, what do the critics want? Like, do they want him to make a PowerPoint presentation or like, you know, <laughs> the time period equivalent? <laughs> Slideshow. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That, that is the, everyone's pages with a direct message. <laughs> that's like the underlying tragedy of the song that no one's going to listen to him in a way. But as far as like lack of nuance, I will say it was 80s hip hop. Like, you weren't really getting the complex narratives of 
you know, Earl Sweatshirt and such, you were getting more like songs like F the Police and we're all in the same gang, you know, it's just the, the 80s were a very dire time in hip hop, despite the goofiness of how it's aged. And like people were just dead serious. Like you go back and listen to like uh, Boogie Down Productions, like they're just very fr- upfront with, you know, stop the violence. And then unfortunately, Boogie Down Productions got really weird around their fourth album and was like, you know, sex crimes? What are sex crimes, really? It was like, ugh. But anyway, yeah. Bluntness <laughs> is one of the features, I would say, of 80s hip hop more than a, more than like a negative. Mm. Right, it's a feature, not a bug. Yeah. Which, in, the, in a way, like, if you are not into directness. Although I would say this one is probably less so, like, direct than one of his other, like, famous anti-gangster lifestyle uh, raps with colors. Uh, like, I think the fact that he does, though, just straight up state for most of the songs, like, yeah. No, like, uh, you make a lot of money, and it's really, like, you live a really nice life. Like, if you manage to uh, be fully successful at that, like, that, the, he does emphasize that that's a very small percentage. Just, like, that was something, like, forget the half-steppers. It's just, like, eject the rest. Just, like, the, that. if you end up in that elite, it is a pretty nice life. And, like, just literally says at the end, like, you can decide, like, what life you want to lead. I'm just telling you the pros and cons. And I thought that was kind of an interesting aspect of directness. Well, it's like, uh, uh, what did I hear? I was the Jack Nicholson. I was watching an old interview and he said, uh, never give someone your best advice. They won't take it. So I can kind of see it as, and kind of going back to what you said, Caleb, uh, how like speaking as though, or like you won't be believed. It's kind of like Cassandra, you know, in Greek mythology. It's like, yeah, you are right. You are telling the truth. But that's the curse of the truth, right? If people don't want it, they won't take it, and they'll misconstrue and see what they want to see. No, I mean, you should still tell the truth, but yeah. It's an interesting musical burden to uphold for Ice-T, which kind of, I guess, speaks to how passionate he is about actually spreading perspective on the issue. So it really doesn't make sense when people say he's glorifying the lifestyle. And also one... Oh, sorry. Not a say one of... I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> you talk. I was say one interesting thing was that he references both Pusher song Pusher Man by Curtis Mayfield and the uh, movie Scarface because both are like other things that are extremely critical of, you know, drug dealing and as a concept, but like have been loved and adopted by gangster rappers. Like, Pusher T sampled Pusher Man on a song, and like everyone loves Scarface. And yet, both, mm-hmm. and yet Scarface, you know, he dies at the end. Spoiler, everyone knows it though. And then Pusher Man, Curtis Mayfield's like, screw cocaine. So it's like, that well, helps I mean, with that. That's a very common, like, you know, loving, I don't, I don't want to say the villain, you know, the anti hero, but like, think about Breaking Bad. You know, the discourse around, like, you know, Walter Walter, and Skyler. You know, it was like, she was so often vilified. Even the actress that played her was getting death threats, though she decided to continue with the role. And it's like, people hated 
Skyler for getting in the way of Walter's, you know, self-destruction and him, you know, being the guy in charge and taking names and breaking rules. It's like people decry the lifestyle. And yet when it's presented in a way that they accept, they hate any detraction. And that's so hypocritical, which makes perfect sense for people that aren't seeing the obvious and then calling you the liar. Depiction ain't glorification. And mm -hmm. I feel like that flies over some people's heads. Yeah. Uh, speaking of depiction and slash or glorification, for the next song, if we're all good, uh, YG yes, is one of... Oh, sorry. He's, oh, oh, wait, run it back, because we're now all in agreement. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> speaking of depiction slash glorification... Uh, YG is one of the many West Coast rappers who got big in the early 2010s, and it was more controversial as he's a bit of an old-school gangster rapper and had some uh, big hits working with DJ Mustard, like uh, his verse on Don't Tell Him. But also he did stuff like name his big crossover single, My N-Word. Uh, made a song called How to Rob in which he has some wildly racist stereotypes about Chinese people. And also this kind of... I had a joke in there somewhere, but I forgot it. But anyway, yeah, so he's kind of controversial right at the start. And, oh, yeah, never mind, I forgot. Uh, his second album, Still Brazy, uh, gets slightly more introspective. You still end up with outright crap like she wished she was, but also you get his big political anthem, FDT, which is a very response to the 2016 election campaign. And also this song, Who Shot Me, about an actual life incident where he got shot and just in processing feelings of, you know, pride that he made it out, but also rage and extreme paranoia. So what did you guys think? Well, it's definitely an unbumfable listen, but so to speak, but in the best way, I think, um, you know, based on what very little I know about YG, I guess I wasn't necessarily expecting this sort of like introspection and lucidity, but it's a sad song. You know, there's like this juxtaposition between like this bravado that he um, projects, but also this vulnerability caused by like, you know, the spiraling thoughts in his head. Like, who did this? Like, why is karma catching up with me? Like, what's going on? You know, it's, it's all the thoughts that are happening in the moment as he's trying to process it. You know, there's a lot of little nice touches like. Yeah. It Whoa. does like, sorry, I did you. No, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, like, it does a really good job just, like, capturing the trauma after, like, a violent or upsetting event of just, like, kind of just desperately searching for, like, why, like, why me? Who did this? Like, it's not just, like, how horrible this event was, but, like, now, like, everyone in my life is, like, upset and I'm trying to process what's going on, but, like, I feel like I can't do that because I don't know what's going on or like how this happened in the first place. And so now I'm just paranoid. Like it does, it does a very good job of like getting that feeling very well. I also like the, how like he is being very vulnerable and like being unopenly stating all these thoughts that are cascading, but at the same time still projecting, as you guys said, that bravado, like even the beat is like, a, a, a bit on the sparser side, um, but very like punctuated. And so to me, I interpret that as a kind of like 
aggressive posture, especially with the with the beat. Like the question that opens the track is very confrontational. Who shot me? Uh-huh. Not you know, not a woe is me. Like a who shot me? I want to know. You know, it implies that there's action forthcoming, and so that's it's just very interesting because even as he's rapping about this terrible incident, still upholding the traditional image of sort of uh, a rapper in the way that he was, which I think is interesting. You know, not dropping that aspect of self. You know, I won't say persona, not dropping that aspect of self, even in the midst of so many other things having been taken. Right. It's like, it, it's interesting you bring that up because it's almost, the way he fits that question out, it's almost kind of confrontational. You know, at the end of the song, he talks about like, I knew karma was going to catch up with me, but it's like he's, it's almost like he's, he's following the impulse to go and continue the cycle. Just like, I need to go get revenge on whoever shot me. Um, yeah, I, I really also kind of like that part near the, br- there's part right after the bridge, there's like a bit of a breakdown where there's like all the, of the voices talking over each other um, as he's coming out of the hospital. He's like, I'm just going to walk it off, but he's still just like, spiraling in his head which i thought was a really nice touch yeah Mm. he's just kind of going through a list of all the people who could have possibly betrayed him in his head like he's like uh kind of contradicting himself like on the one hand he's like everyone in the neighborhood is with me but also he's like no one stood up for me and i'm thinking about just committing mass murder like he's just straight up i'm thinking about shooting my gun without looking where i'm pointing the the big thing is, like, right before he asks who shot me, he's always, twice he says, answer this, I got a million dollars. Like, you know, as we talked about how money is the symbol of, you know, escaping, he's willing to give up his means of getting out of poverty just to have the knowledge of who shot him, which is just so heartbreaking. And I think he really sells it with his vocal delivery, though. Like, you know, his voice is just kind of ragged and, like, it's got some gruffness to it, but it's still just... On the verge of breaking. Yeah. Yeah, this is what you do when you don't go to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) No, genuinely, though. Like, uh, for serious, like, like a lot of the uh, questions that they ask when they, like, see PTSD or PTSD or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, at least he acknowledges that his thoughts are dark and that he seems to be trapped in sort of a karmic cycle. So... Acknowledging that there's a problem is the first step. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's pretty gritty and dark. Okay, should we... You know, and the issue of getting shot at was something that a lot of members of G-Funk had to deal with. Um, and the seminal song Regulate actually tells a story not of getting shot. Well, yeah, people got shot at, but yeah, uh, getting jumped and shot. Um, and so what's really nice about this track, again, it's got that quintessential West Coast sound to me. It's just that very smooth track. And then you have Nate Dogg, you know, the iconic Nate Dogg with his vocals on the chorus, right? But it's, a, it's so interesting, making me think of like a, well, not a great chorus per se, but he's definitely narrating action. Like he is involved in the story and a part of the story which is something you don't often see from people on the hook. That was, I don't know if that was an innovation specific to Nate Dogg, but it's who I credit when I think of like narrators, melodic narrative hooks, because um, he does that so well. 
but yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's just a very interesting, it's a very tight story. Um, and it's got just such a classic sound that it just makes me smile when I hear it. Like, as soon as the bass line starts, and the bass line, because I also unironically really enjoy Michael McDonald. <laughs> and so to have them sample, uh, I keep forgetting. I think that was just a genius move. That blue-eyed soul. Yes, yes, man. I, I have a playlist of Michael McDonald. Don't play, don't play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, do, I do really like this one. I will admit, I found Warren G a tiny bit annoying just because his flow is like, okay. And he's mm-hmm. just said, it's most of the song like, oh man, I'm getting jumped. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, if I had wings, I would fly. That like, part is like, <laughs> It's like, who are you, bone <laughs> <laughs> But But he knows his going to come and rescue him, so yeah. it's all good again. Yeah, no, it's most... Sorry. No, I was just going to say, like, I, I enjoyed that part of the song more when, like, Nate Dogg came in and stuff. Yeah, Nate Dogg is definitely carrying the song, along with the very slick beat, and, like, they have a strong story going, you know? It's very vivid. And Nate Dogg is just so awesome. He was an awesome singer. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And apparently an awesome friend. I mean, pulling out the strap and then getting you a girl. Like, how could you do better? If the, that's your priorities right there. The quintessential hero's journey. Ending <laughs> rap form. I also they love slayed the one... these... Go ahead. I also, oh, I also love the one line where he's like, people running for cover, it's a tad bit late. Like, he's just like, oh, you didn't clock in on time. <laughs> just like casualness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I I loved also the line like just in terms of like the the like the tongue of cheap humor like the like well what's next <laughs> just like right. talking with the people who's robbing him like that was pretty funny I will say. Was, was this the tie-in with the film or anything? Or, like, was he referencing a film or something? Because the beginning of the video, you got this, like, group of guys in these, like, 1930s, this gangster uh, reminiscent suits. Was that uh, inspired by anything? I don't know particularly. Uh, I do I know, know the sample at the beginning of the song is from an 80s Western called Young Guns, but hmm. not entirely sh- Yeah, I'm probably a reference to that. I yeah, see that. It was on the Above the Rim soundtrack, so I think if they're referencing anything, it's that. And I don't think the Above the Rim... I haven't seen Above the Rim or listened to the whole playlist album, but I have doubts. I would assume it's a basketball movie. Is it a basketball movie, or does it just have a basketball title? If it, I, I, they were playing ball in the video, so I hope it's a basketball movie, or I'd be really confused. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what were they doing in the 90s? A lot of things. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have too many thoughts on this track. It's a very simple story with a very classic beat and, you know, some very great uh, Nate Dogg vocals. Well, at least the story ends well for our heroes. Right. And right off the I would have to say another story that ends very, very well told on our debut single by Sweetie called Icy Girl. 
Um, so Sweetie's an up and coming rapper from Santa Clara, uh, California. She grew up all over California, um, going to high school and college in various places. She'd been writing music since age 13 and posting raps on Instagram since high school. One freestyle over um, the iconic My Neck, My Back by Kaya eventually morphed into what we know today, Icy Girl, uh, which she posted to SoundCloud in late 2017, caught the attention of executives at Warner Records, which resulted in her signing, and she's been on a meteoric rise ever since, clocking brand deals with Fenty Beauty and McDonald's, as well as top 40 hits like My Type and Best Friend featuring Doja Cat. So, yeah, I mean, this is a really tight um, expression of, you know, personal enrichment and betterment you know and it's a minute and 49 seconds but it feels like a full three minutes for other girls i think it's a really excellent debut showing what do you guys think i love the percussiveness of the lyrics like the the beat is so solid you could like jump rope to it mm-hmm. um, like the beginning especially it's just like it's it's very easy to like dance to or bob your head to or like run to like it just it it feels good to listen to she feels like the sort of rapper that you could like show your grandma and your grandma would begrudgingly agree that maybe not all rap is bad <laughs> no, and, and like in, in respect to sweetie because like she's very to me that's like a very it's a very classy presentation of that hustler's mentality of I am folk, I am I am so focused on my business. This is like a dominant aspect of who I am, and you can either, you know, abide and respect that, but it doesn't matter because I'm moving anyway. So they're very industrious um, spirit. Yeah, she's incredibly driven. And there's a lot of really like, it's a lot of really um, a lot of zingers on this one. I mean, trying to get a bag of weed. I'm trying to get a bag of weed. I think Grandma would definitely agree with that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, drugs, I, I, will, I, I will be honest. I wasn't huge on this song. I feel I feel like the, the sample does a lot of work on this one, which is kind of true of some of her other songs, like Tap In and the. Which was the one? There was the one where she samples the. Uh, yeah, my type. But not not this one feels like the where, one where the obvious sample does the most work for her, which is a tendency she inherited from her relative, MC Hammer. But uh yeah, it's Whoa. Yeah. It it's okay. She she's alright. I just I just wasn't as huge into it. Uh, it's it did feel like two minutes to me, like if I could have used a little bit more. You mean to tell me you weren't hungry for the fettuccine pasta with the scallops and the lobsters? Come on. I'm always hungry for the fettuccine <laughs> pasta with the, <laughs> the lobsters. I don't know. Food! Bunga <laughs> bunga. I do agree, though. I did wish it was a little longer. Like, I would have loved to hear, like, a final verse, even if it's just, like, a real hot, like, I don't know, 16 or 8. I'll take an 8. Right. It does like seem like it drops off. Mm. You know, real quick, what was the Sweetie Mail about? Well, like, what was in it? Let me look I heard that up. I don't know. There was like some special tangy sweetened sour sauce that they did specifically for it, and that's, that's all I remember. Yeah, that's what I was what thinking. What is it with like... all these promotional meals and it's just sauce? Yeah, it's right? a yep, Big Mac, four piece chicken McNugget, French fries, Sprite, yeah, tangy barbecue, and Sweetie and Sour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I bet it was pink. I bet it was pink. I bet the sauce was pink, like the the label. Was, let me let me pull it back up. I think it looked like it was green. 
Really? The label was. I got red green color blindness. I wouldn't know either way. Heh, <laughs> <laughs> loser. That could be I a know. fact when you play Never Have I Ever. Never have I ever seen the color green. <laughs> Never have I ever seen desaturated green. There it is. Yeah. But speaking of icy girls, one thing that you should put into the, you should use ice for is when you got a liquid. Maybe even alcoholic. And so uh the alcoholics misspelled entirely are this uh, group of rappers from the California area. They're not they're probably the least like notable of the groups here. Like they made a couple albums, worked with a uh, King T and I think Utip at one point. But uh, this is their song Liquid. It's sort of like this little it's a fresh little posse cut that's very reminiscent of like, you know, early nineties when jazz rap was still sort of a thing, you know. But unlike the more silly party oriented side, like, you know, with like guys like a uh, EPMD and uh Fast Effects, you know, it's just they're all spitting these Tassy little verses and just, you know, got a really loose beat. It is a nice song. What'd you guys think? I'm really appreciate it. You can go first, Leo. I'm so sorry. No, no, I, was, I was just saying, like, I really liked the, uh, the quality of the vocals. I think it had, like, some of my favorite uh, hip-hop is, like, the, the vocals that work both well as more like a spoken like rap and well in singing form and so i think it kind of rides that like perfect line for me of like the um the like the lyricism shoot i just appreciate how everything's set over that very classic you know hip-hop sound you got the uh drum beat you know and the lyrics just sit so well along for that. That's why I always appreciate it. It's a good thing to mm. like Bob. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess they do like their liquor, huh? Is that kind of like their whole shtick? Because this is the only song I've heard of by them. So, and I didn't, hadn't really heard of them before this either. Yeah, uh, I I haven't listened too deeply. To be honest, I mainly heard about them because as a high schooler, I bought a book called How to Rap, and they were one of the rap groups that were interviewed for it. And, oh, that's really yeah. cute. Oh. But yeah, they, they definitely are fond of, you know, the the alcohols, considering they named themselves the alcoholics, and I think the album this is on is named, like, 21 and over. Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Uh, I will say my favorite line of the entire song is the uh, too much old E will make you pee, uh, so that they can do the rest of the rhymes. Uh, I will admit, the minute I heard that, I, I'm the sense of humor of a five-year-old, so I started laughing. Right, they got some good bars here. Um, I like the one about Prince Rogers Nelson, and, and clearly yeah. he listens to the Billy Shears Club because he gives a shout-out to one of our co-hosts, Ricky Flowers. Hey. <laughs> well, he's got hip-hop freaky powers, so he, he knows about people who weren't even born yet. Right? So clearly they're clairvoyant as well. They got, they got lots of tricks up their sleeves. It's all the alcohol. I will... <laughs> yep, guess that's what it does to you. Too much oldie will make you... Um, Open up your third eye. <laughs> there it is. Listen to my conscious hip hop. I know <laughs> that was the exact opposite. Yeah. 
if I if I do have like one criticism of the song, it's that they're a little they're a little bit indistinguishable. Like, uh, like you know, the thing the nice thing about a lot of posse cuts is how like the rappers will get to have you know very distinct voices, and so that's usually a big part of the fun and like part of why the '90s was so great for posse cuts because there were so many wild characters. Like you could, and even today you can still always get like you know a, you can throw in a Busta Rhymes or a Michi Darko or someone. The, the, you know, like Live It Up or like, you know, Wu-Tang Clan was absolutely huge at the time. They, you know, had all very distinct personalities. And they, they all kind of seem like the alcoholic with no S or Z at the end. They're just like very similar, but it's still a really fun track. It's a party vibe, you know, got that nice little shaker, the little flute riff. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, we'll agree on that. That's something like because you get that kind of bombastic feel when everybody does have their own flavor when they come to rock the mic and yeah they did seem pretty uniform in terms of delivery any any other thoughts on liquid Mm-mm. prefer it to gas no not particularly the uh sort of uh the themes of this song very much remind me of a lot of like popular club songs and the uh, hyphy slash later on for when this uh, song is produced a more uh, ratchet scene is very perfect for club music and such as the song Slappin' by E-40 with choruses and hooks from Neff the Pharaoh and from Dram. So E-40 had been in the hip hop scene a lot longer than both Dram and Nephthafera. And that's because he sort of ended up bringing a lot of artists under his wing. He's been a lot all over the place uh, in his musical stylings and collaborated with a ton of different artists uh, since he started back in like the early 90s. He really hit it off with the 1993 song Captain Save-A-Ho and the 1995 solo album in a major way. And then like 98, like later 90s, he started collaborating with more rappers outside the San Fran Bay area. And so uh, particularly with Neff the Pharaoh, uh, he helped break him back in 2014 uh, with the, uh, by featuring him on 707, which is a reference to the area code uh, that covers like the hometown of Vallejo, California. Uh, Neff the Pharaoh was uh, selected uh, that same year as the Bay Area Freshman of the Year in a yearly contest. Uh, and in early 2015, his track Big Time and became a regional hit, and he started uh, getting increasing popularity from there. Uh, Dram also got a lot of popularity around the same time of this song, uh, with the song uh, Broccoli by Lil Yachty. Uh, and so for this one, he was even slightly newer than Neff the Pharaoh and hadn't worked with E-40, I believed, before this song. Um, and so kind of the, the, the story behind how these people got together is like, it's actually really sweet and like heartwarming of just like this older rapper, like taking a lot of younger people under his wing. Um, as like the title of the song and stuff, uh, E-40 credits himself with the term uh, slapping or like the slaps for being uh, for a hype song or something uh, in an interview with XXL magazine. So I don't know if that's actually true or not, but he very much claims it. Um, as for the quality of the song, I will admit it is not as much to my personal taste. Um, the 
the styling of the uh, chorus, the, the choruses, the verses, um, it's a little too inconsistent for me. It's much more of a talk rap than a singing rap. And a lot of the song, both the choruses and the verses, have this weird sort of dip and inflection for me that kind of reminds me of like, bear with me for a second, but like some of the songs you hear on the Goofy movie and not necessarily in a good way, but a much more explicit theme. Uh, but uh, the actual uh, lyrics uh, of the song are once again, kind of like uh, more of that club-esque theme. Like it's uh, talking about slapping a girl's booty uh, at a club. Uh, but it, a lot of the, the uh, verses are uh, E-40 sort of uh, hyping himself up. Like, I, I like the context of the song a lot. And I'm, I'm sure there are people for whom this absolutely hits their taste. It just was not a personal win for me. What do you guys think? I agree. Like, I love the way E-40's voice sounds on the track. It's so... I don't know if people use the word iconic a lot, but, like, it actually is a pretty iconic voice. Like, when you hear him, you know that's E-40 rapping. But there's nobody else on the track that really stood out for me. And lyrically, I agree. It's not the most inventive set of lyrics you'd ever hear. You know, the term slapping notwithstanding. Yeah, I didn't know about that. Um, is if that this was really the origin of that colloquialism? I think that's quite interesting. But yeah, I mean, E Forty has a really distinctive flow, not only on like this song, but like a lot of his music. It's like this really tight, quick, like machine gun way of rapping. And yeah, I mean, it really works for this song. Um, and this is more of that, like, I guess. Aussie cut where everyone has like a distinctive sort of sound, which I appreciate. I I, I really like the song. Like I I will be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you guys said, the, how as dare as you the, have different opinions? <laughs> yeah, as as far as E forty originating slapping, I'd have to do more research to see, but he has at least within his mythos, originated a lot of uh, lingo within rap, like a, one of the early people to use broccoli as a slang for weed, and uh, Fosheezy and Pop Your Collar are mm -hmm. often credited to him. So, But yeah, like like you say, Eric, his... I, honestly, a big part of it is just that, like, one, the beat's just, you know, very low it's got just basically a bass line and some drums and but on a couple of the choruses there's these random brass stabs of, to announce that dram is intoxicated wants to get it on but uh yeah the, i i just really like like all the rappers are you know very centric and charismatic and doing all the wild stuff like you know e4 he does this signature stuff where he's like simultaneously very smooth but all but also has all the weird bubbles in his voice and also like keeps going off the beat and uh, uh -huh. next to the pharaohs more nasally and controlled but in a like a like the henchman who says yeah boss <laughs> and uh a dram who i think who now goes by shelly and is like a neo soul singer he's just he's just a, a whole lot of fun but yeah 
they're all just really good in my opinion and like it's yeah it's not like a super deep concept it's just a party song but one that's a lot of fun to me no I'm like that's the thing it's just like as much as like it doesn't fit my personal taste from a technical aspect I think that like I mean like Hiana said, like his his voice is so distinctive, and his diction is incredibly good. Like for a really like fast song, I was able to like very clearly understand what he said, which is like a big like is very impressive because I have absolutely garbage like audio processing. Um, and I I liked the like the hook to the beat, and it is once again. It's, it, it's a very good song for a scene I personally don't frequent. And so if you are someone who likes more of like the like hyphy scene, I think I can absolutely see someone absolutely loving this song. Yeah, but you kind of have to be in a certain mood for it. And he does have like very strong vowels and consonants, you know, it sounds like a theater kid. After doing those diction exercises. <laughs> Honestly, E40 would kill a monologue. Completely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like in Shakespeare? For sure. No, put him in a doublet. Come on now. <laughs> Beasy or not too busy? That is the question, Fosheezy. Avant, <laughs> <laughs> I have popped my collar. Right. <laughs> but he would have fun with it. He's just, he's just a lot of fun. As, he would he would pull it off. He would I would it's like put him and Donald Glover in a hip hop production of I don't know. What's what's a funny one? Uh I mean, What'd you do about nothing? There we go. Midsummer Night's Dream. Ah ooh, ooh, ooh yeah, ooh. yeah. Ooh. Midsummer Night's Beat. With Rico there Nasty as Tanya. Oh my gosh, no, we can do better. <laughs> what? what anyway, anyway. Yeah. I like Rico Nasty, but maybe it's because I like women too much. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, E40 is a lot of fun, which is also fun because when I left in Detroit, it would I, he he would show up more than you would think for a Midwestern city. Like every time I would drive into town when I came back from a trip, there was a big old sign advertising as liquor of some variety. And one of the gas stations, had, you know how they have those rap snacks where like rappers advertise on random. Mm. Mm -hmm. He had like a he had E forty noodles of some kind. E I don't think I ever got noodle. his. I don't think I got his. I got like it was either Master P or Lil Boozies. But he has his own noodle. This I don't know why, but this brings me infinite amounts of joy. Thank you so much for this knowledge. He has diverse <laughs> income streams. Smart <laughs> move. Got to diversify your bonds, right? Let's say. Then if you play your college show, you can give out free product and people will still be happy. Mmm, smart. Right. Go to a show, get some noodles. And also, can I just say really quick, E40 is weirdly prolific with guest features in like the last decade or so and does really well. Like uh, he was on that I Don't F With You song with Big Sean. Big Sean, yep. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Dope Dealer with uh, Schoolboy Q. Does ad libs on Fun by e by uh, Vince Staples. So like he's he's mm -hmm. he's in touch with the youth. What do you do, fellow kiddos? <laughs> My goodness. 
you. But yeah, I think, yeah. So, I mean, Slapping is a fun song. And, you know, what else is fun? Balling. Love that song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shoot, I do too. I've been listening to it a lot um, in the last few weeks. Um, so, Balling is a 2019 hit uh, created by DJ Mustard. Um, featuring the vocal talents of Roddy Rich, right? What I really appreciate about Ballin is you get such a you get such a variety of sounds, but it's also cohesive and melodic. Like that's the thing. Like in terms of little lyrical content, you know, he's Ballin. Like he's started in poverty, but he's been able to work himself out of that situation and is sort of enjoying the fruits of his labor. But it's so catchy. I really, really. That's about all I have to say about the song. I think it's just so melodic. It's incredibly pleasing. It. I don't know if you guys have heard the uh, the the uh, what is it like the Android cover, the one where <laughs> it sounds like a robot's doing it. Uh, but that's that's where I first heard it, uh, and then I listened to the original, and it's just like, it's it's so much fun just to listen to in the background of just doing anything and then it actively improves by like 25% whatever activity you're doing mm-hmm. like it just puts you in such a good mood just like the the like that how the like the, the score of it just like how how like i don't know upbeat it's sung i don't know how to explain it yeah I mean, it's love definitely- oh go ahead Oh, good. Well, it's definitely rap, but like the dude knows how to carry a tune, and it is incredibly catchy. Like it's rap, but it's also like pop at the same time, which is something I really appreciated about it. It it's just so catchy. It sticks in your head. It's got quite a melody to it, and it's just very uplifting. You know that this um, mm-hmm. kind of rags to riches story. Uh, yeah, definitely. Like you know, the it's a common theme in the in hip-hop, but one that is definitely carried by, you know, Howdy Rich. I would describe his vocal quality as halfway between Don Tolliver and Young Thug. He's, he's definitely very influenced by Young Thug, you know. He's got, like, the, you know, he's very sing-song, goes on weird folk throat grottles and stuff, and, like, but he's also got a very good, like, nasal tone to him, like, really good. Right. And, uh, DJ Mustard realized after around 2014, like, he stayed out of the limelight for a few years, and he was like, you know, I was really good when I kept making the same beat over and over again. I wonder if I can make other beats. And then in 2018, it turned out he could make a ton of other beats, like like this one with, like, the piano and the vocal background choruses and, like, the very beautiful song. Like, I think it would still be good if it had, you know, the it trademarked DJ Mustard's little beep boop bass with 808 drums, but... This makes it really special. It makes it really pop a lot more than, you know. Uh, he doesn't necessarily have the best flow on this song, but that is not a problem. I mean, you take that he's back. the rich one. <laughs> I'm not. I will say there is that one part, was it? Because um, I've been getting paid. When yeah. I post, just, oh, oh yeah. you got to love it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know what a Ben Tate is, but it sounds luxurious. The Bentley car, I think. Well, that makes sense. But yeah, it is something about Roddy Rich's voice too. I think what you were saying earlier, just that nasal quality. And again, how it sits so high over the beat. Because the beat, it's not a slow song. You know, it's not fast either, but it's got a nice driving like tempo. And so it does kind of carry you along in this uplifting narrative. 
and you kind of feel like you're balling. Turn your turn your volume up a little bit in the car. Yeah, I think okay, I think that might be what especially does it for me of just like I am absolutely down for a completely braggadocious song, mm-hmm. but this song is like it's so self-hyping without being as much like Got Mine, which mm-hmm. like once again, I don't have no problem with. Sometimes that is like a fun type of song to listen to, but like it's I think that's why it has such like that feel good aspect of just like, yeah, it's a great day. I'm doing well. Like awesome. Like comparing it to something like uh actually like it was a good day. Like it's very much like that same attitude of just like yeah, things are things are going well for me without necessarily like directly by still comparing it to like a situation where things weren't going as well but instead of it being a much more dark song like the it was a good day it's like it doesn't go as deep into where the bad places were it's just kind of enjoying what's happening right now mm-hmm. right it's not a dream this is actually happening and and he wraps it up with a nice pop sensibility which is probably my favorite thing about this. It works just as seamlessly as a pop song as it does as, you know, hip hop or rap. And that's a testament. (laughs) That multi-demographic money. Totally. That's the real pollen. I was just going to say your comments, Eric, it just makes me think that's a testament to the sort of versatility of uh, Mustard's production in that it's the same beat, but it very it very nicely, very easily fits in both of those worlds, which is honestly, I think, what a lot of creators are looking for this these days. You know, just that. Well, I mean, instant marketability, yeah, but that instant crossover potential. You know, especially you can think about like um, how Old Town Road popped off, and this isn't the first time in like any genre where like that crossover is kind of prioritized. But you do end up with some very pleasing. What do you call it? Pop rap. Yeah. Rap? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pop rap. Yeah. Oh, color prop. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe hip hop. Hip hop. <laughs> I feel like that's going to piss off an old head. <laughs> well, we're the youth and they're the old heads. They can deal with it. We can deal Watch with that years later. <laughs> I really love it. And yeah, I guess like to also be like, Sorry about making fun of you in 2013, DJ Mustard. He had, like, some great beats in the last few years. Like, if you go listen to, like, Pure Water, this, uh, Go Loco, and what was the other one he did? The LMA song, Boot Up. Like, he's he's gotten a lot more versatile and, like, made some really great tracks. It just feels like he's everywhere. But this time you don't notice because he's, again... Squish it up a little. Mm-hmm. I definitely um, was the was the opening of Balling a reference to anything because it is a very but, distinctive uh, opening compared to the rest of the song. You know, it's kind of that almost almost chopped and screwed. Not really. It's really just slowed down, I guess. Um, chorus from some other song. I wasn't familiar with it. Oh, uh, looking it up, I think it's looks like it is "Get It Together" by Seven O Two. Okay. I have more questions, but okay. Well, no, I guess 
did it have any lyrical connection or was it just like a nice sort of sample? Let, let me look at it because I'm, I did not look this. Let me. The 90s R&B girl group. From Vegas. Right. Oh. I was thinking with the 702. Let's see. Let me look up these lyrics. Looks like this is a breakup song, like the original sample. I think they just liked. I think they just like the sound of it, yeah. At least what it looks like. True, nothing wrong with that. And it again, I wasn't mad about it. I was just, it was just interesting. But, I like that juxtaposition, like that pining '90s R&B sound and feel, jumping right into this like uplifting pop rap. It works. It works really well. Yeah. It's like. Baby, don't break up with me. I don't care. Ballin'. <laughs> right? Just know that if you did, I'm still ballin'. The right kind of whiplash. <laughs> the the best revenge is living well and then rubbing it in the person's face. Yep. <laughs> Which is true, by the way. Get your shine on and yeah. Any other thoughts on the ballin'? No, but I did just have an idea for a mini sold. Oh boy. Say that we have to, but yeah. In that right. case, to wrap it up, after weeks of preparation, you've been listening to the Billy Sears Club West Coast Hippity Hoppity Slippity Swappity episode. I'm Caleb Clark. I'm Eric Rake. I'm Kiana Shabazz. And I'm Leo Gacy. Thanks for tuning in. Ciao. <laughs>